And Lord, we're just uh, really grateful to be able to just come to this place this morning and to be able to say, Lord, uh, that we're open to you. The very song that we sang just now reminds us that when we proclaim you, Hosanna, there's a, there's a cry not only of acknowledgement, but there's a cry of openness and, and some level desperation. Lord, save us. And um, there are areas of our lives that we so desperately need you to come and to be, be a part of in a, in a significant way, Lord, to just change things, to affect things. Um, you know that the part of the song, Lord, that says you give us strength for the day. And uh, I pray that the purpose of this day, at least the early portion of this day, would result in a strengthening of all, all the ladies who are here, Lord. I, I pray for um, your presence to come and to, to speak to us, uh, to challenge us, to renew, refresh, reestablish in some cases, Lord, our priorities. Um, we, we just determine to open up our hearts towards you as best as we can and we just ask for your, your blessing to be here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, God. Amen. So, um, hey, go, you can give somebody a hug before you have a seat, and we'll, we'll start up. Okay, wow. Um, well, this is the first time I'm actually ever done a women's gathering or a women's event, so, uh, you know, it's new for me. There are a lot of things that are very familiar, obviously, being up here is familiar. I see familiar faces everywhere, uh, particularly want to acknowledge the Chris who's on the soundboard up there, who's a big part of our weekend. Thank you, Chris. And... And an amazing woman who's way back in the corner, who's been such a huge blessing to our church, Lynette. Some of you know Lynette, but she oversees the lighting. Thank you, Lynette and Chris. And uh, I, I get to know them a lot because they're very involved in the weekend, and, and uh, that's when I usually get to connect with a lot of different people who you know, are serving in amazing ways. And I also, you know, I don't get to do this that often, so I just really, and again, I, I'm gonna get right into where we're going for because there's the things that I feel in my heart that we need to cover. But uh, one of the, the, the things I don't get to do that much is acknowledge some of the ladies and sisters who pray for, for they pray over the service in the mornings, uh, but it, there's been now years where they've prayed over me, and particularly to just, or whoever's speaking, but since I do majority of the speaking, usually I'm the one that gets to benefit from the prayer time. And... Uh, there are, many of you know uh, Tess, many of you know Kim, uh, and many of you are aware of, of also, who, who am I? Laura, Laura, Laura. And then, of course, Priscilla, who has been the longest term uh, prayer warrior ever. Uh, you know, whatever. where are you, Priscilla? There you are, all right, yes. Glory to God. <laughs> and that, that prayer team uh, is, is a very important uh, blessing to me and uh, has been an enormous strength to me. And it's something because the prayer team, you know, I, the, some, there'll be a couple of pastors that are there, um, but uh, typically I've come to really rely upon the prayer, prayer team, and uh, it's dominated by women. And in that that particular, because of Priscilla's leadership, it just happens to just be, and it's such a blessing to me. Saturday night, Pastor Skip and a couple others will pray over me. Mark Andrews is an amazing guy. Anyway, enough said. I, I don't want to go too, too uh, off on a tangent and then never return. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think it's clearly something that, that I, I hope God will, will use. Cheryl asked me, as she mentioned, yeah, at first I thought, well, they hear me all the time. Why would anybody want to, you know, what, what's the, well, how would that be that special? Um, she uh, assured me that it was something that she felt would be important and helpful and a blessing. And so um, here it is. We're going to do it uh, together. <laughs> and uh, I, I have three ways in which I'd like to sort of move and uh, have us position ourselves for where we're going. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to share a personal component 
and interweave that with some considerations about just the distinctives of a woman in, in my mind. And then I would like to have a particular portion of scripture that we look at. So that second piece will be the scripture that we're going to look at together, a text, a passage, and draw from it. And then the third piece will be the, some question and answer time that we have. So kind of keeping that in mind, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just begin by talking about uh, my, my experience. You know, I did not, I did not grow up with uh, any sisters. I have only, I have only one sibling. And that's my brother. He's my younger brother. Some of you know Bob. He comes to church here. But um, that I, I grew up really with just the, having my brother. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a guy. I grew up around, you know, in a guy's world. And um, I didn't really have a real understanding, I don't think, about uh, what, it, what a, a woman or a, a, in this context, I'm going to use brother and sister a lot because I'm going to talk about the family of God and community. So if I say sister in the Lord, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm referring to the, the familial component that we share as followers of Jesus. And frequently in the scriptures called brethren or collectively brothers and sisters because it's an emphasis of the fact that we are connected in, as spiritual family in Christ. So sisters in the Lord, uh, women of God, uh, these are terms that I'm going to just kind of use as I go along. It's not my most common vernacular, but... I'm going to move into it, and, and part of what my, has affected my world and my worldview and how I think about women, particularly as it relates to the church, has to do with the fact that, you know, I've, I've known Cheryl and um, known her now for almost three decades, and she's been such an enormous part of my life. Uh, we've been married for, for 20, almost 26 years now. And so it's been a long time together. We, we talk about how more of our life has been spent together. Before that, we knew each other for three years, three and a half years or so, right? And uh, we, we were 18, and I, uh, we got married at 21, 1984, August 4th, 1984. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Um, Neither of us really knew what we were getting into. We did not know. Uh, and it's been the grace of God. We've, we've grown together, as Cheryl has said, through uh, many uh, dangers, toils, and snares we have come. And the grace of God has been extraordinarily evident in our lives. I pray that it would be so for the remainder of our lives, that we would, we would honor the Lord by living um, a faithful, fruitful life as a husband and wife together. That would... That would that is my deep and earnest and heart's desire, not just for us, but, but for our body, our church, our community. And, you know, over that period of time, uh, we've, we've learned a lot. Um, I was 25 years old. We were actually, we're only separated in age by a couple of months. So I was 25 years old. And again, I'm going to weed this personal end of things into some things that we'd like to go into. We, I was 25 years old, 1988, um, when essentially... We were, I was appointed the pastor here. And uh, we were just, you know, just young, young adults. Um, that, was a, that was a very significant year in 1988. It was the year that I assumed the responsibility of the church. It was small, very small, but it still felt like a huge, huge responsibility. It still does. That, that year, we also had our, our first child, our son, Caleb, was born. And then that year also, in 1988, uh, my grandfather, who had been my spiritual mentor and uh, the founder of this church, he died. And so 1988 was an amazing year. I, I look back on it, I was just thinking about it in relation to this, this particular sharing time. I thought, wow, so th there's a lot of crucial, critical marking points that have occurred. And, so, you know, and we often talk about this, but some years are different than other years. Uh, every year is a gift. Every year is lived out. Every year compositely makes up the duration of our life. And yet, some years we look back and we say, wow, that was a year. And that was a year for me, and it could be for good or for bad, or a mixture. And in my case, it, it had a lot of mixed emotions around it. Uh, you know, the birth of a son, the being, the, uh, our first child together, you know, um, our, our, the church being entrusted with that, not feeling really adequately prepared for it, um, wanting to be able to lean on, on someone who I'd leaned on for, my, for the early stages of my Christian ministry, and he was gone. And it felt like I lost my father, 
and was given this assignment all at once. And, and Cheryl and I were just trying to make our way through the, also the new season of, of having a family. And so, you know, God did bless us with an, an amazing uh, core group of people who loved the Lord genuinely and worked very hard to bring this church to where it is. But um, I look back on that and I say that, you know, in those 26 years of marriage, of, of my perspective of, of women has obviously changed and, and my perspective of what a Christian woman uh, is has changed and the, and the qualities that I would acknowledge have, have changed and I hope matured and become uh, more meaningful to me. And I think that's also, my, my perspectives, again, have also been affected not just by my marriage, because again, I had no idea of, of women in a household really beyond my mom, who was this very mercurial figure who, uh, it, 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 I didn't get affected until I really had the marriage, marriage and then the birth of our two daughters and watching them grow up. And Chloe, who's here, and many, and some of you know, and, and Aubrey, who's 15, uh, our youngest child, youngest of the four, uh, they have affected also my perspective of, of, of what a, a woman is, growing up around women, being around women, something I didn't know but have come to learn and appreciate the very significant differences. So I, I will say this because most of, my most of the time when I'm not ministering in a, in a mixed community, I, I'm talking to men. And obviously my closest relationships tend to be with men. Uh, my deepest friendships tend to be with men, aside from my family uh, and, and a few co-ministry co uh, individuals in, and women in the church. Most of the, my world is connected to men. So the, the having that experience around my wife, my, my children, my daughters in particular, it has had an effect on, on my perceptions. And I have come to realize that there is a truth to this generalization that is, you know, generalizations are generalizations because they're very broad scope statements, right? Sweeping, sweeping statements that, that suck everybody into them under the umbrella. But usually a general, generalization has a uh, reason why it has occurred. There, there's, there's usually a kernel of, of truth to it, a, a tendency to be true. A, a prevailing leaning into something, right, that occurs. Well, I would say that we would, most of us would agree uh, that there is a difference between men and women. <laughs> right? Yes. And even me experiencing this right here today has reminded me <laughs> of the difference because women are so much nicer than guys. <laughs> Um, that's my, that's been my, my experience just coming to a gathering and I watch how you, certain details are important and I'm contrasting that with some of the, the, the men's gatherings that I've been a part of, the retreats I've done and, and it's just interesting to me to think about the differences that are there and to say, wow, you know, there, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, and, I, and again, that doesn't mean that, that, that some of the, the gender differences uh, don't at times overlap and there's similarities and some of us tend to have certain personalities that we might more typically identify with uh, a kind of male framework and, and that there aren't maybe women who, you know, have that sort of perception and way of being and that men may also bl blend over to having these kind of uh, different takes. But as a whole, men and women do are different. The Bible talks about the difference. It's not just a, a, a physical sexual difference. There, there are things that are connected to the emotions. There are things that are connected to the makeup of a person, of, of women as compared to men. There are, in my mind, certain gifts uh, that uh, women have uniquely that, that men generally don't, don't have. And I found myself reflecting a lot on that. about what it, Because again, m part of the purpose that I have in this time that we're sharing is to exhort you um, and I won't, I typically use we language, but I'm going to use more you language because I think it applies directly to, to women. That I want to exhort you to, to really think about what God wants to form in your life as a woman who honors him and would serve him. And, and again, this idea of differential, I think it's an accurate generalization. I, I'm thinking about layers of differential. Uh, you know, not only are, are women different in terms of just as opposed to, to men in the sense that, that men and women tend to be different, and we get that. 
But I think even women as a whole, within their own framework, every woman has different personality disposition as well. So there's another layer of differential. What, what do I mean? And, you know, again, the, the, probably the, the, for me, the five most important women in my life, you know, my wife, Cheryl, my two daughters, uh, Chloe and Aubrey, and then my mother, uh, Marianne, who lives in Oregon, and she's, um, I'll, I'll, mention, I'll give a little bit of a statement about her in a moment, and my grandmother, who is the, the one, one remaining grandparent I have, and, and she's extraordinarily important to me. These are, these are women that are very important to me, I know them, and yet I can say in, in, that they're all different, very different. And to say, oh, they're all women, yes, that's true, but they're all different. Distinct personal personality differences. I mean, when I when I found myself reflecting on what it was that I just found so impressive and and appreciative of, of in terms of just each one of those key women in my life, I, I it was good. It was a good exercise for me, and it might be an exercise worth doing periodically for your your favorites. Right? <laughs> think about think about what it is that makes them that, as it were. And I found my life, I'm like, well, there's a certain, uh, as I've thought about this over the years, I thought, oh, you know, about, you know, my, I was thinking about my wife. I was thinking about her, her quiet strength, her real kindness, and her, her genuine humility that I feel that has been displayed for now a few decades here. And I thought how much I appreciate. There, there is, an ascent, there is an, a tendency to, to put herself out in a way that can, allows herself to be hurt. And I thought, wow, you know, there's an unguardedness there that I've very much appreciated, a, a willingness to give her life away and to, be a, to, to just be sacrificial and to think of others. And I, I find that as a wonderful quality. I started thinking about my older daughter, and I started thinking about how she's one of the real amazing people who I feel, at, after I talk with her sometimes, inspired to want to serve Jesus better after having talked with her. I mean, I feel it's a sincere faith, and I, I, I love that strength. My littlest daughter, she's edgy, she's strong, she's stubborn, I love her. Uh, <laughs> right? I was thinking about my mom, and uh, you know, my mom is a person who uh, had to raise us at, at, in our, through our teen years by herself. So, uh, you know, when our parents got divorced, my mom had to be, she was a very accomplished person in her own right. She's a businesswoman, kind of a, by, na by nature. Uh, she has entrepreneurial tendencies and she's got a couple of little restaurants she started up the coast in Florence, Oregon and she's just a, a, a pretty interesting person, a very artistic person, uh, someone who has a cosmopolitan sort of view of the world but I, I've, I've, I've loved her, her uniqueness. My grandmother, the steadfastness, the consistency, the willingness to stay with something, to sacrifice, I mean there are just qualities. Again, uh, we all can, and they may not all agree with that, but here's the point I'm trying to make is they're all different. And each one of you has your own personality, uh, your own qualities, your own differences of being, ways of being. And uh, the Bible talks about the diversity of gifting, and we talk about that. But even within the framework of being a, a woman who wants to honor the Lord with her life, there are unique giftings. Some of you are prayer-oriented prayer and Others love to serve and give. Others like to step forward and lead. Uh, I mean, we can, we can talk about personality types. And, and uh, my, my wife was sharing with me a lot of uh, some of the things that she's been looking in and studying around personality types and characteristics and qualities. And we've been talking about the different personalities of our children and, and such. And, and it's been very interesting to, to think about that. But we're all different. And you're all different. And so there's a layer. Being a woman is a layer of distinctiveness. Being then what your own personality is a layer of distinctiveness. Then another layer of distinctiveness. We all have different backgrounds. Uh, we all have different uh, experiences that have molded, formed, and shaped us so that some of those experiences have been extraordinarily um, supportive of our of our identity, and we, we, we draw from them. There's strength to us. Other experiences have been very damaging and have hurt us and actually hindered our ability to move forward with, with the Lord's plan for our lives. Uh, some of these experiences that have occurred in relationships, some of them have occurred when we were younger, those, those factor in to how we move forward with the Lord. And anyone who says, well, that's not spiritual, is missing a, a, an honest truth 
that there are things that do affect how we move forward with God. And so, you know, uh, one of the things that, that you, we notice when we read the scriptures is how much, um, you know, sometimes the, the, the Older Testament it can be, if you've been reading through the Bible, like many of us have, then you get into that Old Testament, and a lot of that is hard. This hard. It's hard. And there are things that are hard to understand. And God seems sometimes harder. And that's what makes Jesus so beautiful. Uh, because Jesus is in many ways, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The true heart of the Father is revealed in Jesus. So I'm so, so thankful for his coming because he shows us how God really is. And in Christ, there's so much opportunity for all of us to find ourselves through his eyes. And the way he dealt with, with women in particular, at a, in the midst of a culture that was extraordinarily patriarchal, and um, oftentimes women just weren't recognized, a much, a much different contrast. And by the way, I mean, the most significant breakthrough for, for womanhood, period, if you trace the line all the way back through the West, it stops at Jesus. The Christ's coming, and particularly the role that Mary has played, has set the table for a more honest, realistic recognition of the value of a woman. That's just a general truth. You study it out. Look at the cultures where, that, where Christ has not prevailed and, and started in an embryonic form, and look at the difference. Having said that, which is not my topic, but I will, I will point out that, <laughs> that the eyes of Jesus, right, the eyes of Jesus saw, saw people uniquely, and, and oftentimes some of the most amazing exchanges that occur, ironically, occur between Jesus and women. And there are different, all different types of women in the New Testament in which Jesus interacts, the Samaritan woman, his mother, Mary and Martha, his close friends. Uh, we, we could go on and talk about it even more, more so. But the fact is there are layers of differential. Our past, okay, so again, what have we established so far? Uh, women are different than men. Yay. All right, we get that. Uh, even within the framework of, of, you know, being a woman, all of us have different personality types and dispositional tendencies. Then another layer of distinctiveness occurs because we've experienced things. And uh, some of us have come into this life with God with a huge um, wind behind our sails because we were given a familial structure not of perfection, but of, of honesty and integrity, and, and, it, and people modeled what it meant to follow Jesus for us. And so we come with this huge blessing. Others of us, we've had some good and some bad, you know. Uh, I didn't come from a, a home that stayed intact. So that has had to have had an effect on me when I was a young teenage boy. I haven't really ever truly understood it exactly. Part of that was because the grace of God, I think, stepped through and gave me a father figure in my grandfather at a crucial stage in my life. But the fact of the matter is, all of us have experiences. Others of us, we've, it, it, it was a disaster. And the pain is very, very real. And it has affected us. And it may still affect us. And it affects how we relate to God. It reflects how we relate to people. It reflects what we drop into. It affects what we drop into when the pressure is on us. And that, that way of seeing ourselves is affected there as well. You know, um, one of my favorite things to say when I'm talking to the men is when Jesus said, when, Jesus, when it was said of Jesus that the Father said this, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the Lord wants to sing over you you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. But part of being that kind of a woman means recognizing things about who we are and how we've become who we are. So that's one layer, right? I'm a woman as opposed to a man. I have a different personality. It's different from other women. That's okay. God's not trying to make us, make us carbon copies of one another. Uh, yes, there are clean, clear lines in which the Lord is calling us to points of conformity. That will go against the grain of what the culture says is right. God's word must be our, our rule. However, having said that, you know, we are all different. We're all unique. We're all special. We're, the, God, the God that we serve is a God of, of amazing artistry and distinction. And even in the creation itself, it declares the glory of the Lord, and it reminds us of the amazing differential of species and different kinds of things and different aspects of beauty 
And that shows up just in our lives as well. We're all different in God's eyes. We're, we're, we all are expected to be at some level the same and, and yet in some ways very different. And God's more than okay with that. That's how his body works. Having said that, we have backgrounds that affect us, upbringing that affects us. And then, of course, we have, um, you know, our, our, our sort of where we are in our life, our age, our season of life, uh, our status, whether we have a family or whether we're married. These things, these things differentiate as well. It makes the challenges and the opportunities for serving God are different because they're connected. To, so, Look, that's just another layer of differential, right? So what season are, we, are you in? Because that season is going to have its own challenge and its own opportunity. We always talk about this. But there's a huge difference between, between a, a, a woman who's at the younger period, place in life and, and someone who's at a more mature place in life, getting older in life. Um, there, and there are those transition points that cause us to reflect back on where we are. And that can bring out a ton of emotions, uh, connected to different things. And those emotions and where we are with our life and how content we are with that uh, affects our walk with God and vice versa. And so we have, to, if we're going to talk honestly about growing deeper with the Lord, we need to have a, at least a decent idea of where we are, who we, where we've come from, where, how we've emerged even in the Lord, and then what kind of unique gifts has God placed into our lives? How has he made us? How has he framed us? How has he formed us, right? And then that, that is a key to something. That tells us what, okay, put it this way. What song, if we're an instrument, if, we're, if we've been formed to be an instrument of the Lord, what song does he want to sing through us at this season of our life? What is the melody he wants to play through you? What is, what is the, 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 the poetic artistry that God wants to work through you at this season of your life. And it may have to do with a healing time. It may have to do with a strengthening time. It may have to do with a time of clarification. Or it may have to do with things that we talked about, transitional issues. We're at a transition period. But again, all these things matter. Now, keeping that in mind, um, I want us to look at just very quickly a portion of scripture. And I if you, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Psalm 1 together. Psalm 1, the first psalm. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and uh, that's, that's sort of how I, you know, uh, first learned the Bible. So whenever I drop back into remembering things, it's always connected to the, to the King James Version, and, and that's just the way, that, that's easier for me, although I love the, the more modern translation as well. But we tend to use the NLT version, the New Living Translation. But, you know, some of you I know use different versions of the NIV, but this one is out of the, the, the uh, New King James. And, and, you know, just idea of, and I want us to take this, which is always, you know, blessed is the man. I want us to think, blessed is the one. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is that person. Blessed is, is the woman whose God is the Lord. I mean, let's think of this psalm in the way that it was meant to be a, a word for all of us as followers of God, right? So th I just kind of want to walk through this. Blessed is the man, um, the woman, the one, who who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So this idea of uh, growing deeper with the Lord as a unique woman of God in a unique season of life with a unique past, let's first acknowledge that the wisdom of the Scripture, and it's no, it's no coincidence in my mind that the first psalm is placed where it is. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, the one who is not essentially defined by the culture, by... A, a way of seeing life, a way of uh, being shaped by life. Uh, let's think of it as a mindset, a, a priority that is connected to um, what the Bible often calls this world. Uh, sometimes when the Bible says this world, it's referring to just people, like God so loved the world. But a lot of times in the New Testament, when it's, the Bible talks about this world, it's talking about the prevailing culture that does not receive him. It's talking about a way of living that disregards God. It's talking about a dominant perspective that sees life not through the lens of someone who's been affected by God's reality, but by someone who has chosen to either ignore it or deny it. Therefore, the way of living is affected, shaped, informed, um, attached to a perspective. And I say all that to say this, that in Romans 12, and we'll just put this up. In Romans 12, Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Go to the second verse. Key phrase here. And be not what? Be not conformed to this world. 
That's the phrase. But be transformed. By anything you can see, what it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's, it's an exquisite opening of that 12th chapter. But this idea, be not conformed. Don't be shaped, fitted, molded. The, I've heard one person say, do not allow our world's perspective to squeeze us, our culture's perspective to squeeze us into a way of being that moves us aside from what God has for us in this life. Don't be a person who lives molded and shaped by the definitive um, uh, perspectives, by how our culture, our world defines success, how our world defines beauty. Um, do not be, let us not be defined by what our world says is valuable, our culture says is valuable. There, there are times where to follow Jesus is going to require us to think in a countercultural mindset. And so the Bible says in Psalm 1, you know, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't, define, don't be defined by our culture's concept of success and, and beauty and, and value. Nor, what does it say, the first verse, nor stand in the way of sinners. Um, you think about the idea of the way of sinners here. And when we talk, that really has to do with how we live our life, right? Righteousness matters to God. Um, what is righteousness? At least one definition of righteousness is right living in the eyes of God. The way, think of the way, the way of the, of the think about this, the, w- w- nor stands in the way of the sinner. That is, doesn't go that, that direction, the road. The road that we take is the road that is different than that. And that's why the Bible constantly says, I will follow in your ways. So, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Think about this for a moment. The scornful had to do directly with those who, you know, held God's words in contempt or at least disdainful, minimized them, wrote them off as irrelevant to real living. The psalmist says, don't live that way. The truly happy, blessed person will be the person who doesn't live this way. And don't, and I thought, boy, just as a principle in general, for some of us to make a determination in our heart not to speak scornful words in the circles of our lives. That alone would be a breakthrough for some of us. So I know the direct context has to do with scorning the ways of God. But to, but to, to speak disdainful, negative, minimizing, contemptuous words. To, the Bible continually reminds us to guard the words that come from our mouth. And one of the ways that, that we can really seek to honor the Lord is, is through the words that we speak. And to watch the words that we speak and to be very careful about them and not to be a person who is scornful of things. There is a very real tendency when we're disappointed with life or with some aspect of our life uh, that we begin to allow that disappointment to reside in our heart. And then the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And then what comes out of that mouth becomes words that were unhelpful at best hurtful, damaging, and demeaning at worst. And then we begin to fall into a pattern of scornful words. And the, the Bible talks about this as a real challenge, um, not exclusively, but, but at some point, particularly for, for women. Um, we may not hit someone, but we can damage in, in, in ways that, that are extraordinarily penetrating with words. And then the habit of living, a, of having scorn on our lips. We need to guard that. We need to really guard that. So blessed is the one, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But what? Their delight is in what? What does it say? In the law of the Lord. So God's word is what informs us. God's word becomes something that we seriously commit ourselves to. Right? We delight. We become, listen, a word I'm going to say this, a word-dominated woman. And I don't mean by that that we walk around just, you know, every time something complex is presented, you know, there, there are a few people in life. It doesn't happen as much to me anymore because of the circles I, I live in. But there would be people who would have a verse for everything, right? <laughs> and, and that verse for everything, though, can, could, be, could be said in such a, a way that it, it was like, we, you know what, I appreciate that, you know, but... That's really not really helping to, to get at the, the depth of what we're talking about here. I feel like it's almost more of a shield. 
to prevent us from actually dealing with the reality of this problem. Or your, your just quick way of, of saying something. And of course, people who don't know Christ, that just sounds bizarre to them if it's not positioned right. It's like, you know, whatever, right? It's like, it, is, it doesn't, on the other hand, on the other hand, there's no, so that means that when we're, we have to discern our circles of communication. And if we find ourselves around people who are not as familiar with the, 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 the language of the word, then we have to factor that in to how we position our answers from a biblical perspective. You know, as you know, I'm a follower of the Lord, and, you know, it's something that's pretty important to me. Um, And, you know, I I, I read the Bible a lot, and one of the things that I find to be helpful is, you know, I was reading, and there was this this verse that I read that it it came to mind as we were talking. And, you know, it would be okay if I just share it with you? You see the difference between that and God said to you, right? I mean, it's like, (laughs) it's, it's way different. It's a different way of talking. It's, 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 the Lord wants to teach us to be a discerning people. Um, and, and, yet, and yet, the other side of the coin is the word is to be near to us. That we cannot be, a, a, again, a woman of depth in God without having serious engagement of his word. Now, that's true for everyone, but in particular, we're talking about, again, the context of a Christian woman or a woman who would follow Jesus in a serious, honest, sincere fashion. And if we're actually going to do it, we must apply ourselves. In that law, they meditate day and night. What does that mean? It means your word is always with me. It's on my mind. It's near to me, even on my lips. It comes out when I pray. It's there when I'm thinking about my problems. God's word comes. God's word is near because I'm investing myself into that word. And in that law, think about it. In that law, it meditates day and night. You know, his delight. Think about the word delight. The Bible says the Lord wants to get us to a place where we actually take pleasure in knowing God's word and letting it reveal itself to us. And I'll tell you, it, there is true. There are times where we can just read the word, and we've read it before many, many times. But just like prayer, which can also be a discipline, and usually a discipline, a training, is not always joyful. It's, it's more joyful to accomplish it, and we know it's good for us. But there's something about also the idea of, of it becoming a point of pleasure and delight to us. And there are moments where God's, well, just like in prayer, there are moments where we just need it so bad. It's like a cup of water. And we're so thirsty. And we're so beaten. And we need it. And it refreshes us. We come alive. Same thing with God's word. There are times where his word will bring life to us. Now, I say that delights himself in the Lord, in the word of the Lord, right? And he meditates upon it, what, day and night, that he may, look, look what it tells us, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates upon it day and night. And what shall that person be? Be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, okay, what image comes to our minds? Think about the imagery. Think about the descriptive way in which the psalm presents this. This person, your life, you will be like a tree, like a tree that's planted. And planted, it has to do with roots and depth. It has to do with the ability to be sustainable and to have um, a long-term quality, depth, not surface, depth. Tree planted by what? The river of water. What does water remind? What does that speak? What is he trying to say? A person who lives in God's word, let God's word permeate and fill their lives, not in a condescending, pharisaical fashion, but in an honest, genuine, intense, intentional fashion. That, that woman, in this case, will grow very deep roots. And that root system will prevail through many different things. But the picture, the imagery also of river, think about it. What is that? It's like, it's, it's vital, it's alive, it's, it's green, it's verdant, right? It's, it's, it's something that is flourishing. It, it, the, it, it's, it, we feel refreshed. If we can even see it in our mind's eye, it, it reminds us of something that is peaceful, life-giving. And what does he say? You know, that brings forth, it's what? A tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth is what? It's fruit, it's fruit in its season, key word again, Right? It's fruit in its season. This idea of fruitfulness in your season. What is the season of your life? Fruitfulness for a young mother looks much different than fruitfulness for someone who's an empty nester. It can look different. Factor back into our personalities, our giftings, how we're emerging in the Lord. 
Is fruit, what is fruitful? But you know what? To never, what does, if we never actually think about what would produce fruitfulness in my life at this season in my life as a woman who wants to honor God in my life, okay, fruitfulness, fruit in its season, and it's what? Its leaf also shall not wither. This idea of sustainment. Right? And think about this. What are the two things? You know, when I think of, there were two words that came to me when I was reading this. It was just as I thought about it, really for you. And for me as well, but really for you was two words, and I thought, man, it's interesting because these two words are, are not words that, that typically are connected to, to men as much, they, they, although they are. But the words that came to my mind were, when I thought of this image were fruit and shade, fruit and shade, and how God wants, wants your life to be characterized by fruitfulness and by shade-giving capacity. And fruitfulness is a word that I do really associate with, with a woman, we talk about the Bible says the fruit of the womb. I mean, there, there, there is something, uh, yes, Jesus used the term generically, but there is something about the idea of fruit bearing, this idea of nurturing, this idea of life giving. It's all con- I think it connects even more intentionally with just how God made a woman. And this idea of bearing fruit in our season, just being a person of fruitfulness, of nourishment, of life, of vitality in God. And then shade to me. I think of the tree. I think of this ability to provide shade and a covering in a storm. And isn't that, there's such a maternal feel to that. There, the idea of, of and I've, I've, again, I've watched it enough now to see it. I mean, it's to protect. It's to cover. Uh, uh, the first reaction is to take care of the little one, right? It's even, it, it, when it's working its best, is take care of any, anybody around them, around you. Uh, you know, I, I, there was this one verse that talked about Jesus, and it's interesting because, and we'll, and we'll just put this up there, the one that talks about uh, Jerusalem. And it said this. It said that you know, Jesus was talking about, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I belong to take you. Look at this. This is Jesus' words. And look at the analogy he uses. I long to take you under my wings like what? Like, like, like I would have gather you to myself like a, like a hen would gather her, her chicks, right, as it were, right? Her brood under her wings, but, but you wouldn't have me. Like, I wanted to do this. But that imagery, actually, of a hen is, and, and, and protection, shade. Can you hear me when I say, for some of us, God is calling us to a season of fruitfulness, um, to walk in, the, in your, your gifting, to be a shade giver, a provider of life. The ungodly are not so, the Bible says. Go back to Psalm 1. They're like the chaff that is driven away by the wind. Um, therefore, the ungodly will not, well, they will not stand on the day of judgment. Right? I mean, this, we're given this, this conclusion there to the passage in which we're told that, um, the, that nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, that the Lord knows the way of the, the righteous, but the way of the ungodly it shall perish. What he is trying to say is that the person who sets themselves upon the things of God is going to have a, a flourishing moment. Now, okay, because of the time frame, all right, um, I did want to leave a little bit of time for question and answer, right? And I don't want to blow the whole schedule off. However, <laughs> however, let me just quickly put, just, I'll just, I'll do it fairly quickly. I've got just sort of connected to this, all right? As, as a sort of a summary way, it's, you can kind of know how I do, how I do things, right? A little bit. <laughs> so that, we'll call them the five P's real quick that are connected to what we've shared. And I'm, I won't take long, um, hopefully. All right. First one, and again, we'll summarize these first three, this idea of Purpose. Purpose. It's connected because purpose has to do with focus. And us, I would like us to think about our purpose at this season in our lives. As, uh, uh, you as women of the Lord, in the Lord, what is the purpose? What is the focus? What, what is the, the thing that God's trying to develop in us? So purpose, and again, for time's sake, uh, we're talking about um, prayer. And I think the two are tied together. Purpose and prayer seem to be linked inextricably, like a, like a link chain, that we find our, when we find our purpose, it'll often lead us to pray, and as we're, as we're finding it, seeking it, and then as we pray, we often, we often find our purpose is revealed, that we have to spend quality time thinking about these things, interacting with them, asking God to reveal things to us, uh, take pausing to reflect, to consider, to honor him, but to also make ourselves available to him. This idea of, of being a woman of of you know, purpose, a woman of prayer, and a woman, thirdly, of purity, yes, and I'm not just talking about the sexual arena, although the, 
Bible is pretty clear about that. But I'm also talking about, as we alluded to earlier, our words, our thoughts, our imaginations, that these things also, um, yes, even our disappointments, are submitted to the Lord. We know this for a fact, that, that and it's not just even in, in, in the sexual arena, but uh, I would say that it is a very complicated culture that seeks to put so much pressure uh, on a Christian woman or a Christian man to want to conform to it. And so I don't want to just rail against the culture. There's a lot of great things that have happened with technology. Um, we know that the, the blessings we have, the time frames that we can utilize now, the, the ability to take the gospel in places, to be able to do things that we couldn't do before, we get all that. But the other problem is it's created a whole new slew of issues that affect self-image, uh, that, that get people addicted, uh, that create... Um, uh, great hindrances to living a life of purity, create avenues in which people would either have to go to a secret place to, to you know, sin or, or to be able to get lost in a, in a novel somewhere in an imaginary world, which it happens to now. It can happen through communications online. And so I think for men, it tends to be more image-driven, but I think for women, it could be in, in a, I'm not gonna, again, I'm using my generalization, but it can be, it, it can be more emotional entanglement issues, um, issues that, that make one vulnerable to predators in different ways, um, being, being, having the potential to be exploited emotionally. And then when that happens, all the anger that ensues after that. I think, one, we need to pray for, for men to, and I mean to, if we're saying we want to see, see husbands faithful, we want to see uh, men who are godly, then we need, we need to pray for that. And we need to pray for the, the churches in, in our area uh, so they would have peace and stability at a leadership level and the enemy would not be allowed to get in there. And then that, out of that blessing would come blessing and that there would be a, a, people committed to trying to live out the word. Again, very complex culture. What that means is this. I'll just say, you've got to be in the world, but not of it. That's the old, everybody understands. Okay, that means we ha it's a very difficult line for us to walk. Because, and for women in particular, I'm going to take a risk here. It's, on one hand, you don't want to simply be defined by the culture and what they say is beautiful, what men want, et cetera, et cetera. On the, because at the end of the day, we want to live first for Jesus. But to say that that's not something that we have to take into consideration about the reality of the culture around us. So within the framework of what allows us to be still ourselves, um, allows us to be, you, in your case, um, not simply living something just for someone else, but within the framework of what is okay, I would argue to, to work with it. Is that, I'm, I'm speaking in, in shadow words, but <laughs> it's because it's a landmine. I'm walking on a landmine. I, 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 I feel like I'm just tentatively. But the thing of it, because I, th I think that the, there, there is a fine line. There, there have to be boundary points where we say, I am a woman of the Lord, and so I, I won't go this. This is about where I can go here. But then just totally throw it off and say, well, I don't care what this is. It's like, well, you know what? Then we're not really living in the reality of, of you know, we, we're not sequestered. It's like Israel. They, got, they had a problem because they, they, were, they were a people who were very different than the the, the cultures that they engaged with. And, and is, Israel had a very hard, the Israeli women in particular had a hard time competing with some of the, the Moabite practices that were occurring be, that, that were part of their fertility culture that were extraordinarily sensual and sexual, but also integrated into it uh, false worship, deity, false worships of idols. Uh, you read through the scriptures why God is so fiercely opposed to idolatry is because it was continually dividing up his people. And particularly, it was damaging to the men, which in turn was damaging to the women. We could, I mean, that's, that's a whole. But the point being is, how do you, how then do a virtuous woman, and again, I don't want to say that, okay, it, I, you know <laughs> that when I made the opening remarks, it had nothing really to do with women um, being defined in, in relation to, in opposition to man. Or in, it was just about what does a godly woman look like. But you asked this question. And so I say, what can we do? One, we can pray for the men. And two, we can be, we can be virtuous women at the same time 
um, work with the reality of the culture and not be oblivious to certain things so uh, that are reality. And um, that's a, probably a whole nother layer of discussion of what that actually means, but um, it is an issue. Uh, it is an issue. It's, it's a real issue. It's not easy. It's hard. It's hard. But, um, you know, just don't, don't get angry and don't give, don't give in to the whatever attitude. Contend for things that are right. People, pray for men to recognize what true quality is. What true quality is. It's, it, at the end of the day, you want to be able to build something. And Cheryl mentioned something that was important. She said, that, you know, I, I, don't take it, I didn't take it lightly. She says, you're my friend. I mean, friendship is huge. It's not the only thing. And, and yes, there has, there's, ideally, you have a romantic quality component to it. But at the end, as you grow older, that's, that value. If we can stay in love with the Lord, it, if, if a person's really committed to Christ, the likelihood of them being faithful and honorable is, is so much bigger. Have healthy, accountable relationships, seeking to walk a line of, of honor in the Lord. Anyway, so, okay, sorry. <laughs> couple minutes long. That, um, that somewhat ties into my next question. You might have already touched on it, but, uh -huh. um, but you know, a lot of women here are dating and, and are wanting to date in a godly way. Do you have any specific suggestions for boundaries? Uh, <laughs> that, no. That they, term, not for men. That you're you're doing a very good job, Laurel, <laughs> saying. Uh, uh, but for boundaries that, could, that they should keep in mind. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to saying that the, the greatest thing that should be pursued is a common quest to honor Jesus together. And if we can get those agreements on the front end, it doesn't guarantee, it's not a guarantee, but it enhances the likelihood. You see, we have enough things going against us as it is. If we can get a guarantee, and if a person can't recognize the value of companionship and what it means to share a common love for the Lord and a desire to want to please him and to be able to sharpen one another and, and, to, and to be supportive of one another and to speak encouraging words, then if it's only being lived at a trivial surface level of the outward appearance, that thing can't ultimately survive anyway. And we do have moral, moral uh, restraints that we are given, not because God wants to cheat us, but because God cares about the duration and the fruitfulness of a relationship that has to do with his involvement. And it's very difficult to pray for blessing when lines are being crossed and the word of God is just being disregarded in the name of we love each other. It won't last because what happens when that thing's got a hold, when it's, got, it's no longer, when it gets older and it's, it's lost its earlier thrill, what do you have if you don't have substance and foundation to draw from? And again, that's not even an absolute guarantee, but it is a huge benefit. Say so one of the guys, you know, part of me goes, you know, I hear some of them, I can hear it. This is what they need to be told, those guys, right? <laughs> and pray for us as leaders in the church because believe it, we, are, we are trying to contend for men to be honorable, to be godly, to be faithful in their relationships. It's not just a male issue. But we are trying to set examples of, of not perfection, but consistency. That's why your church matters. That's why a community matters. You've got to be able to point to something. And uh, that's why the enemy goes after the shepherds. Because if he smites the shepherd, the sheep are scattered. We need, this is very important. The people must pray so that the, so that the models are there so that you can point, so you can point people to them. Say, not, this is not perfect, not, not in, in a, a, a way that says, this is how, but it creates a culture that holds people accountable and, and keeps contending for integrity to be lived out. We know we're in the culture. How do we live for Jesus in a very complex culture? How do we sustain commitments? How do we grow? How, I, these are key, this is important. And Okay, so, yeah. I, okay, okay, so. <laughs> One of the things you mentioned in that is sort of setting the stage for a healthy relationship that will grow. 
with the Lord. So for those who are married, um, and you and, and Cheryl model such a wonderful, faithful marriage, what are maybe some specific, um, I guess, tips that you have if there's things that you practice on a you know, continual basis that have helped you to um, stay faithful? And, and well, like I mentioned earlier, you know, now we're being very, you know, being very vulnerable because anybody who's been married for any amount of time knows that there's no problem-free marriage. But at the same time, um, I think the idea of, of changing, of growing, of not getting set in one's ways and not allow, allowing a climate of negativity to just set in, um, to, to share a love for the Lord's work and a love for, to share ministry together has been a huge benefit for us. Um, I think that, that the ability to, sh to not have just one person following Jesus sort of more intense, intensely and the other one kind of doesn't care that much, I think that's a real loss. Because if we say the Lord is the most important thing in our lives, then to be able to have that. So one, <laughs> I'm hesitant to start throwing out you know, tips because I don't think we were that smart. I think part of this is the grace of God. But the biggest thing probably is not, we've not allowed our past ignorance or experiences of our own family past to be the dominant issue. The dominant issue, it's not just saying it, it has been the grace of the Lord, Jesus Christ, at the center of our lives. Because I don't think we could have made it without it, personally. And I don't mean like the grace of, <laughs> oh God, stop that, Chloe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I mean, the, the, but the, but the, the grace of God, and I don't mean, okay, you know when people say that phrase, they say, oh, I, sometimes I hear they say, well, yeah, I, I know it's the grace of God, but, but I mean, what I meant by, by that is it's more than just God's favor, but I meant was the, the cultivation of a Christ-centered family life, life. And I don't mean that it was overly spiritual, but, but enjoying the Lord together and being able to not turn on each other when disappointments hit. Because that either drives people apart and we sequester ourselves and we see that happen a lot or it drives people together. And I know in Cheryl's and my case, we probably brought more together through that. And so <laughs> the irony, of course, is pain and disappointment can be a huge blessing because parts of us have to die so that new things can come. And the other thing is to be a person who if we're genuinely open to the Lord according to Psalm 1, then we're open to changing, growing, maturing. It's not just being set in our ways. I just think that we have to be very careful about that because we have ways of relating to one another that can start to take one another for granted and then before long it creates an avenue of the enemy. So, you know, there's no one way, but there are principles that, that I think can work and help. Thank you. Welcome, Laura. That concludes. Laura. That concludes. <laughs> oh. <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to pray? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then I guess what, Maggie going to come up? Maggie come up, actually, as well. And um, <laughs> we're going to have a time of prayer. Pray okay. for all of us and prayer also for our pastor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Maggie. Lord bless you. Lord bless you, Maggie. Okay, I'm going to just pray real, real, real quickly here. And Lord, uh, we just, I just pray over this word that we've shared together. And uh, we don't presume anything. We don't presume to, to have everything together, have all the answers, nor to even address anything, even remotely in the way that it should be addressed. And, and Lord, there's, you know there's been no intention to open up wounds just to open them up for the opening's sake. That's not been the desire. But I do pray for each of the women who are here. I pray that they would grow into their understanding of who you made them to be. I pray that they would grow strong root systems, that when the winds and the storms of life come, and they will, that they would remain steadfast and strong. I pray, Lord, that there would come a, not just a survival mechanism in their life spiritually, and not just even a healing of wounds, but I pray for far more than that. I pray, Lord, that there would come a kind of flourishing in due season. 
Uh, you are the God of, of harvest and seed time. Seed time and harvest. And I pray that for some of us, this, some of those here, this is a time of seed, seed time. And others, it's a time of, of harvest. And I pray that your will and purpose would be done. I pray that you protect uh, those that are here from falling away. Um, keep them in your love. Keep them in you. Keep them in your word. I uh, pray that they would be life, shade, strength. pray that you would lead them into healthy, life-giving relationships. And I pray that you restore things that are broken and renew things, Lord, and answer prayers that have been going on for years. Um, Lord, let, this, let there be a fruitfulness that, that um, blesses the generations both physical and spiritual, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's give it up for Pastor Terry. Thank you for sharing.